Hello again and welcome in to episode 29. I'm just going to say it's episode 100. <laughs> episode 100 of all Upon the, Further Review. For all those out there counting. Exactly. I am Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News and who are you? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn. We have a special guest this morning, guys. And who might that be? It is John Daniels of the Texas Rangers, general manager and president of baseball operations. Are you there, John? I am. I am, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I, no, thank you, John. Thanks for thanks for coming on here in the last week of the regular season as you guys try and drive for this American League West Championship. Um, to get right to it, we'll, we'll just jump right into it with you. Um, what sure. are your do, – do you have any concerns – after after three consecutive losses and heading into these last six games, nothing in particular. I mean, um, bottom line is this is this is what you work for. Whether you're in the front office, the coaching staff, players, minor league scout. I mean, this is what we've all worked for to be in this position down the stretch, play meaningful games, a chance to, to win a division, and do it at home. So, I mean, things are kind of lined up the way you'd like to have them. Um, you know, flying high Friday night, uh, lost a couple of close games since then, and, uh, you know, faced three very good pitchers, which is obviously this time of year is what you got to expect. But, no, I, I don't have any concerns, really, other than we just got to come out and get it done on the field. This is why you went out and got Cole Hamels, isn't it? Big part of it, yeah, for, you know, days like today and, and hopefully, you know, many more days like today in the next few years. Do you have uh, any concerns about uh, uh, the the offense at this point? And it's been up and down. There's been uh, times when y'all have rallied and done well. Uh, I, I think. Well, let me let me ask you this about before I get to the offense. In the pitching, in particular, let's say I don't want to get too far ahead here. I keep asking this question over the weekend. Everybody keeps telling me, no, no, no. We're just concentrating on what's what's happening right in front of us, but. To set up that rotation for a possible postseason, you got to have more than, than two guys pitching well. Colby didn't look too good last night, but he'd been pretty good before that. Uh, do you have any concerns about how it sets up after Cole? You know, I thought Colby uh, early had a real good slider going, and then uh, give Detroit credit. They made an adjustment. They kind of leaned out over the plate, and, um, you know, and, and he stuck, stuck with the slider, and, and ultimately that's what they hit. Uh, but I think when you know, usually when Colby has a slider, it's, it's a good thing. Um, you know, Martin I thought uh, thrown very well on uh, some big games here. I thought he, I thought he was very good in, in Houston the other night or the other uh, afternoon, I guess it was. Uh, and Derek, you know, uh, really the biggest thing is just how the, the finger bounced back after the line drive. You know, Bayard was pretty consistent keeping us in games. Hasn't been going deep in games. I think a lot of it's going to depend you know, if we earn a spot if we get there. Um, you know, who are we facing, matchups, got to play a little bit of the hot hand in the matchup. So that I think, to your point, you know, after Cole, you can make a pretty good case for you know, ordering it in a bunch of different ways. So um, you know, that's kind of how we're looking at it. But also, a bigger point, what you said at first, try not to get ahead of ourselves. Those are decisions that we'll be happy to have to, have to make uh, you know, in a week or so. Uh, but right now, we got to go ahead and beat uh, Daniel Norris tonight. Hey, JD, there. I think when Derek came back from the from the injury, he he came out of the shoot and he was firing just like he did last September when he came back. Uh, yep. Obviously, on over the weekend when he got hit by the line drive, I think that affected his feel on some of his his off speed pitches. 
but is, in your mind, is this, uh, does it have anything to do with a dead arm period that would be typical of a guy coming back from an injury, or is it just a guy who's going through kind of a, a rough stretch right now? I think more the latter. I mean, um, I, I do think the, the line drive uh, affected him. Uh, I think the, you know, he's had two major layoffs the last two years, and last year when he came back was you know, probably better than we than we should have expected, better than I expected, you know, have, having that much time off. And this year a little different, not a knee, it's the shoulder. The shoulders, no symptoms, uh, diagnostics are all good. Uh, strength is good. He's fine there. It's just, you know, he, he missed a long period of the summer. And um, uh, so I, you know, you're kind of hoping that Russ wouldn't be there. Um, hopefully he's kind of knocked it off. But for me, the biggest concern is the finger. You know, he took a pretty good line drive right off the base, that middle finger. And, um, you know, it's, it's bruised. How does that affect the feel, his feel for the baseball here the next couple starts? He did, he did tell me yesterday that he threw a bullpen and that, that that went well, um, and and he expects to make his start on Thursday. Uh, as far as the an, another situ- injury situation, I, I think everybody's been surprised by the fact that Josh has gotten back out there on the field less than two weeks or two weeks after after surgery on his knee, and has been able to play what amount to two full games out there. Uh, do you do you see him being? You know, playing consecutive games, playing a big part in this Anaheim series this weekend. Where does he stand in your mind? We're going to take it day by day right now. Um, I mean, listen, the guy, he's always been a freak, really, in every sense of the word. He's got freak talent. You know, takes four years off from baseball, comes back, the best player in the game. Um, you know, has surgery, he's pitch hitting a week later and, and playing nine innings and a start two weeks later. I mean, these are things that. You just don't normal, normally see, and I think, you know, the, the, in a lot of ways, the normal rules don't apply. You know, the normal expectations don't apply. When Josh is feeling good physically, when he's locked in, has his timing down, he's capable of doing, you know, still capable of doing some pretty unique things. I thought he had pretty good at bats yesterday, um, played very good defense in left field, made some very good plays. Uh, we're, we're just going to take it day by day. I think we come in today, see how the knee responded. You know, he had, he had to quite a bit of running out there, especially with the eighth inning. I think he ended with that running play down the line. You know, let's see how the knee responds to some real pounding out there and, and then go from there. But our hope is that he can play uh, you know, a pretty good role, whether it's you know, every other game or, you know, if he could play back-to-back, that'd be great. But we're just going to take it day by day. He did go a long way on two different fly balls last night. You mentioned a couple of good at-bats. Uh it, were you were you, were you surprised at all by how well he moved on that knee? A little bit. I mean, um, you know, again, you're, you're two and a half weeks post surgery at this point, um, especially that ball down the line. Uh, I think it was the eighth inning where he he really had to go get it fully extended. You know, um, you're just not used to seeing those things. A guy that far, you know, that that close to surgery, I should. But again, the normal rules typically don't apply when you're talking about Josh. John, in in many ways, this has been a remarkable season to come as far as y'all have to this point, uh, to put yourselves in a position where you were in in first place in the division going into the last week of the season. No one would have predicted that uh, in, in April, May, June, maybe July, August, you know, pretty much the whole year, no one would have predicted this could have happened. 
but let's let's uh, let's just say this. Let's say that uh, that it doesn't work out here. How are you going to look at this season? Will it be a disappointment? You know, Ken, I think to your point on uh, expectations um, internally, we we'll probably looked at it a little bit differently, and. Uh, that's not to say that we, I mean, we recognize we had a lot of question marks coming into the year. And then even more as we got started, you know, with Darvish going down, they're going down. Uh, but there was a, a genuine belief that, you know, certain things come together. We kind of keep our head above water early on and, and that the reinforcements would come. Now, you didn't know that the trades were going to be made, et cetera, but you felt like there were some guys in the system, and certainly the injured starters coming back that, you know, we were going to get a shot in the arm, and, and if our position player group stayed healthy, we had a chance. I, we looked at it a little bit differently, um, and so we, we we expected to be here. And, uh, honestly, internally, we expected to be in the mix. Didn't feel like this was a year where there were any like truly great, great teams in the American League that were going to run and hide. Uh, some good teams, some very talented teams. So from that standpoint, you know, we still we expect and we still expect to you know, to get it done, and, and we got to go out in the field and then do it here this week. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of wait till after the season to reflect on it, but that's that's our expectation right now. John, we're sitting here. It's Tuesday morning. Uh, did you sleep as well Monday night as you slept uh, Friday night? I don't sleep well any night. <laughs> <laughs> you're not uh, old, you're not old enough to be getting up and going to the men going to the bathroom at two every morning like Kevin, Evan, and I are. So, what's your excuse? Yeah. Uh, just um, having three young kids and running a baseball team. <laughs> so, which, is, which, some, which is harder? Uh, the kids, by far. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, listen. I, I, you know, I, I'm. I stay up. I watch. You know, I watched the, the the West Coast games. The end of the games last night. I mean, that's. But you know, you got a million things running through your mind. The, the kind of to do list for the next day, and um, you know, not just for big league club you got a lot of things going on throughout the organization you know and so that's what kind of that's why i don't always sleep great my mind's racing usually when i go to bed but that's the same after a winter a lot so how badly exactly did you curse david murphy last night well i mean at that point it was uh you kind of pretty confident they were going to score exactly and yeah second and third nobody out and um uh, once, once the that ball got thrown away on the swing bunt, uh, you know, it seemed like it was pretty much a done deal. And and how about the uh, that, that ninth inning from the the Mariners? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Kyle Seager uh, take a swing like that at any Ranger pitcher. No, none of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> none of those guys do. But you know, I listen. I mean, it it is what it is. Uh, we got a we got an opportunity right in front of ourselves here to to take care of business at home. I think that's our focus. Obviously, you'd love to get, you know, see these other teams lose a little bit, but you can't count on that. And, um, you know, especially when other teams around the league that aren't in it are, are shutting down their their best starters and things like that, which is understandable. Um, you know, we, we've got to take care of our own business. All right, so, J.D., before we let you go, and, and this is the last thing we've got for you, but, but with six games left to go, you, you're speaking here to – obviously thousands hundreds of thousands of rangers fans right now on this podcast <laughs> what can you give them in terms of reassurance because you know they they tend to get a little bit nervous yeah i mean i just for me i'm very pragmatic i mean it's it's pretty simple uh we're we're two games up in the loss column 
with uh, with seven to play or six to play, excuse me. And uh, and we're playing at home. You know, we got Cole going two of those if need be. Um, Prince swinging the bat again. You know, had a great series at home against Houston. Uh, looked very very good yesterday. Looks like made some pretty good adjustments. And um, you know, for for me, when the two keys to the season, uh, usually when we're going, when, when Delino was a spark plug at the top, we need to get him going a little bit. And when Prince is swinging the bat well, so you know, for Prince to have gotten off and then look great yesterday, tremendous at bat against Belize in the ninth, obviously the home run, the double. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the keys that I've looked for all year. When, when the big guy's going good, we usually go good. So, looking forward to tonight, Cole Hamels, and we're in the driver's seat. And there's no panic internally. All right, well, we really appreciate you taking time to spend a few minutes with your favorite newspaper-based podcast. I believe that's how you described it to me. Um, were those your words exactly? Yeah, that's the T-shirt I haven't made up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I will let you, um, with that T-shirt, when you, when you guys clinch, I'll let you spray champagne all over that T-shirt too, okay? Hope I get a chance to, guys. All right, thanks again, John. Take care. Thank you. All Thank right, you. Bye-bye. Evan, you're... you're- you're kind of friendly with him, aren't you? I'm a friendly person, Barry, except with you, because you annoy me. Was, what, uh, what, 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 can I, what can I do? What, what could I possibly do to f- get in your good graces? Ask me a Rangers question. Do you think the Rangers will, on Sunday, before Sunday, be the AL West champions? I do. I, uh, listen, they've got they've got Cole Hamels going twice, which I think is a huge that that readjustment of the rotation. I think was a huge move, uh, and it assured them that they'd either have Hamels to pitch what could be a one game playoff for the AL West, or to start a you know if they cl- if they clinch before then in some chance a division series or a wild card game. I, I this is this is a team that's played really well at home. What they what's happened over the last three days to me is not that terribly unexpected. You've run into potentially this year's Cy Young winner in Dallas Keuchel, uh, and then you ran into the 2011 Cy Young winner who has found his stuff again, Justin Verlander. The Rangers had a great opportunity last night against Verlander with the tie game and the bases loaded and nobody out. But if you go back and look at the pit, that sequence of at-bats after that, he made a great 96-mile-an-hour pitch on Elvis Andrus that ran right in on his fists and forced the pop-up. That's a pitch that you expect Justin Verlander to make. Did Rugnet Odor potentially make a 21-year-old type mistake? Yeah, I think he did. That's the kind of mistake that got him sent down in the first place. I think he got way over-anxious in that situation. I think he was he expanded the zone. He's always going to swing at high pitches, and the first two pitches were borderline, in or out. Third pitch was well out of the zone. And then you get to a situation with Chris Jimenez where you're, you, you didn't expect Chris Jimenez to be an offensive force. He's your number nine hitter. He, he, he has a pretty good at-bat against Verlander. And as Chris told me last night, look, it's eaten me up that I did not swing at that two-strike pitch. But he called it an absolutely perfect pitch, fastball away, that kind of just came back towards the edge of the plate and, and, and hit the black. And that's what Verlander has done all his career. So it was it, you lose to two aces, did not, does not terribly surprise me. It's important now that they get back up. They've got a team that they can beat tonight in Detroit and tomorrow, 
and then put put it in position where they can kind of put the angels out of their misery at the very start of this final series. I, I don't know about the misery. Uh, l- let's look at the at the other teams in the race because I watched those games after uh, after the uh, Rangers game. Last oh, night. Kevin has the package. Yeah, yeah I, I got the whole Kevin package. Has here. a package. Yes. Uh, that's he's right. Got four, he's got four kids. Right, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so so we're watching the game last night uh in, you know with, with Seattle uh and, and the and the Astros. And and so I think we we are a little too quick sometimes to, to dismiss the Astros on the road here because let, let's first of all look at the fact that that's a pretty good pitching staff. And and they can go deep anytime they want. And now they have played very poorly on the road. They their last road trip they went 2 and 8, mostly because they lost four games to the Rangers. Uh but I'm watching that ninth inning last night, and that looked like the Mariners were just saying, "Hey, you guys want to win the West? Here we go." Well, the Mariners have looked. The Mariners have looked like, "Hey, unless Felix is pitching, or Iwakuma's pitching, Mariners look like, hey, anybody want to beat us? That's fine." Felix and Iwakuma bring a different energy on the field, and obviously they can shut anybody down. One one thing that I think that has really gotten the Astros going again, and Rangers saw this, was Chris Carter swinging the bat again. He had a home run last night. Uh, they have put their lineup back together. Yes, they have, and that and and, and Chris Carter is, is is the is the quintessential Astro, is he not? Yes. Feast or famine. The guy, he's hitting. What's he hitting? Two twelve. Yes, but he has home runs. A lot he, has, he has a lot of home runs. Yes, he does. I, I also wonder what the Astros are going to do. You know, they've got the that final series against Arizona on the road. Um, Evan Gaddis has swung the bat very well lately for them. He's a DH. He's not a good left fielder. Will they take the Mike Napoli approach and play him in the outfield for the first five or six innings of those games? Will they save him for one big at bat? Either way, you know they are going to have to diminish their lineup a little bit. And I think that that Arizona. I I think I have not checked the standings this morning, but I think Arizona still had a chance at a 500 record. I could be mistaken. Would, would you think you, that's going to be a big motivation for them? We're 500. I, well, you're the Arizona Diamondbacks. I I, I think it, it it does. I mean. They're a rebuilding club with a new GM. They're eight, they're seventy five and eighty one. They're not going to finish five. No, they're not. If you got, if, one, if either one of you guys was a major league executive, a Ranger executive, would you rather finish the season playing a team in the race in your division or playing playing a team from the other side of the world? Honestly, in Arizona. Right, right now, I'd rather play a team that's in the race because I think that teams that stay motivated, stay driven. Uh, and, and have something to really play for. Now the, the Astros are in a different situation in what they have to play for. Right. But but I, I think that this, I think playing the Angels in the last weekend of the season, if the Rangers can can go ahead and, and, and salt this away, I think it will help them propel them in that first round playoff. Now I don't know if they, it gives them a chance to beat Toronto or not. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I do think it puts them in a good position to to stay competitive because this is a team that needs to stay competitive and can't afford to ease off the break. At this point now, if they if they win the division, they will not be playing Toronto though. They will be playing Kansas City. Kansas City. That's, That's right. And and correct. and let's also point out that Toronto and Kansas City, they have a um uh Toronto has the tiebreaker over the Royals. And so if these teams finish, if those two teams finish with identical records, there's no play-in game between those two. Uh, Toronto becomes the number one seed. Kansas City becomes the number two seed. The Rangers would then play Kansas City. So in effect, right now, Toronto has a one-game lead. Really, it's two games. So, uh, so Barry, do you have anything to say? I've asked the most poignant questions thus far. I really wanted to ask John Daniels where yeah, he that- was driving. D- during that podcast. Did you know that? Uh, you know? From Starbucks to the ballpark, I would bet you $100. So, And, and what was he drinking? 
a uh, let me see a probably a soy latte. It's one of those soy tea latte. This really bothers me that he knows this. He, he, you know what? I, 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 I know Evan knows. He tracks. He has a little tracker, I think, on on JD. No, I've 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 had a meeting one one morning for an interview with John at that Starbucks that he frequents. What did you interview for? What position? It was an interview for a story. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. Let me ask this. All right, since we had John Daniels on, in, in, in honor of him, what was his biggest and or I don't, I don't want to say biggest. One, what was his best move of this season? Wait a minute. Oh, I thought you were going to say you know that Sunday, the final day of this regular season, is also the ten year anniversary of John Daniels becoming. The Texas Rangers general manager. How about that? I think Evan knows that. I don't think John Daniels knows that. He, does he I'm know that? Sure he, knows he probably that. knows that. We, we've talked about the ten year anniversary before. Mm-hmm. The biggest the exact move day? he made this not season. Not the biggest. Not the biggest. The best. What was the best move he made this season? Well, I, I still think the best move of the season is is getting Cole Hamels and Jake Diekman in that trade because you've got an ace and you've got a power left handed reliever for multiple years. If you want to talk about the best low value move then certainly Sam Dyson fits that bill because he's a reliever who's under control for multiple years and who's been an essential part of the bullpen's uh-huh. re- I, resurgence in the second half. I, when you talk low value, I thought you were going to say Delano DeShields. Delano DeShields was a very was a very solid move in the offseason. And also uh, Mike Napoli, pretty good low value move. Mike Napoli was a guy, again, Mike. Th- things changed in that week between the end of the trade deadline and when they acquired Napoli, the Rangers went from, hey, we're trying to stockpile talent that might help us this year, but will definitely help us long term, to we're all in. And and so they went out and got Napoli, added Drew Stubbs, added Will Venable. They they continued to add pieces in, in August. They have they've what I think that, that the Rangers approach to this entire season was going in was, as John said this morning, there were a lot of questions. Didn't know how guys were going to come back from injuries. Didn't know what what issues they'd have, and they were going to play it, kind of play it out, and and, and see what happened, see which direction they went. Well, as the season went on, they didn't a direction didn't really present itself, and here they were kind of teetering on the on the fringe, and, and so I think they took a really novel approach in saying we can improve ourselves this year and for next year. We're not a buyer. We're not a seller. We're an opportunist. I think it was a really strong middle road that has helped them. Um, Obviously for this year, and I think it, it puts them in very good position to not have to do much this off season beyond you know they, they they need to bring in another starter that they can find out there on the market, and they they could use a right-handed bat. I will say this: coming from where they were in spring training, which by the way I sat in, in John Daniels' office in spring training, hounding him about trading for Cole Hamels. How did you get into his office? How did you beat Evan out? Did you have to box Evan it was, out? It was unbelievable. I, I you know first of all I had to, I had to entice Evan with donuts. <laughs> So, so here Donuts. I'm hounding him about trading for Cole Hamels. Why can't you trade for Cole Hamels? He refused to do it, uh, and finally I talked him into it. No, that's not what okay. Yeah. But I did, I did pound him about that. But at the, but I will say the moves he's made in this season, in the season, not going into the season, but in season moves. If Cole Hamels wins tonight, if Cole Hamels leads this team to the West Division title, which Cliff Lee did not have to do, right? right? Then this will be his finest hour as GM. The moves he's made in this. Yeah, season. it's remarkable. You don't. No one questions that trade anymore. No one. I haven't. I haven't heard any of the minor. The league, Cole Hamels trade. Yeah, I haven't heard any of the minor league sycophants 
Uh, I like that word. Said yeah, fans. That's good. Did I use it properly? Uh, fonts, but go ahead. Okay. The, though all the guys who have showed up in the big leagues for the Phillies have have played well. Jared Eikhoff has has, has pitched well up there. Um, and, and I think it's long term. It's going to help the Phillies out. But it was a good trade. It was a necessary trade, and it was what both teams needed to do. That's how baseball general managers need to operate. And the way we need to operate is to keep this under kind of a, a the point where we start to put people to sleep. Um, so we're going to get on out of can here. Can you hear right them now. snoring already? I I, I can. <laughs> I think they're they've um, they're they've. It, it puts my wife to sleep every night. It's like you know. yeah, my daughter calls me from San Antonio and says, "Hey, I fell asleep to the podcast again." Oh, so that's beautiful. It's, that's it's a sleep great. aid. It, yeah, we can market it any way we want. All right. Well, so this was episode one thousand of Upon Further Review, and uh, it's amazing that we've been going this long. And um, we will see you next week.